Beautiful. Yeah, Welcome back, people. Hope you're going well. First one we're going to co- going to cover. So the NHFIC, which I think is the National Housing. Uh, actually, I better Google that. Hey, eh, Dave. Finance Investment Corporation. Yeah, so it's the government arm that helps, like, hand out all the government schemes and government grant spots. So if you, if you apply for, you know, a first home buyer uh, spot uh, within with the government. You usually have to fill out a bunch of paperwork from the NHFIC. They're looking to change their names, I think, to Homes Australia in the in the in the next couple of months, as far as what the government said. But those guys have partnered up with CoreLogic to get a bunch of stats going of sort of understanding where our national housing stock is right now and sort of the shortfall. So of our housing stock. Apartments make up 25.9% of national housing stock, and of the capital city dwellings, it makes up roughly 30% of all dwellings in capital cities. But as at the moment, the development costs associated with building a bunch of you know apartments in a complex is quite high, uh, especially in a in a climate where it's a lot. Uh, more expensive to pay workers at the moment. There's not a ton of construction workers around to help do the jobs. So there's a lot of uh, headwinds, I guess, stopping people from building apartments at a time where we're sort of, we're obviously uh, cognizant of the fact that we need more apartments built. So uh, in terms of affordability as to why it's a great idea to have more apartments, they tend to be 30% lower in cost for the 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 buyer than at buying a house and lower maintenance related to it as opposed to a house as well. So forecasts from the NHFIC have that uh, Australia's housing deficit uh, is going to be hitting that we're short of 175,000 houses by 2027. It's 175,000 dwellings. That's how many short we're going to be by 2027. And units are expected to make up 59% of that shortfall, which is around 103,000 of that 175,000 number. Uh, over the 10 years previous, units have accounted for about 41% of new housing completions nationally. But over the last you know, quarter of 2023, the March quarter, units made up just 37.1%. Um, it's a little bit below the decade average of what we should be we aiming for. So I guess, I guess what they're trying to uh, highlight to us is at a time where we desperately need more developments so we have more housing on the market in terms of apartments, especially because it's way more... Um, realistic dave to be building apartments in the cities where they need more housing and building houses with a backyard is way less realistic than it is to build a big block of apartments for people so we're we're going through a bit of a weird stage with economics and stuff i feel like yeah 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 it's it's the sort of thing that um yeah demand for housing is going up there's less people per household um, we saw some stats from Pippa about the number of investors that are selling. The nafties um, in government think the solution is to get investors to sell all their houses and that's going to fix the problem. But the issue you've got is if you've got four people renting and two of them go buy a property that's an investment, you've still got two people renting a place and you've got two people that used to rent that are now in their own house. So that means... You've still got um, you've you've still got the same number of you've got less houses, but you've still got the same number of people renting. 
And if you've got someone living with their parents who then buys a house from an investor and moves out of their parents' house into that investment, um, that's one less investor property on the market um, because now you've got um, the young person in their own owner-occupy house, but the parents are still in their own occupy house. So, look, there's just the, the good thing we've seen, I think, over the last month or two, Damo, is that the three levels of government are sort of now aiming up and focusing on the issue that we have a housing shortfall. Shane, Shane Oliver, um, in one of the things he put out, he said, you know, the, the best way to fix the housing shortfall quickly is stop, stop immigration or limit immigration because you're bringing, you know, we're bringing a million people in. They've got to live somewhere. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, people... Yeah, you know, medium density is probably you know what a lot of people are going to want to going to want to live in. Yeah, you know, there needs to be more done, I think, to encourage baby boomers out of their big houses. Like you know, I know quite a few baby boomers who um, yeah, they're still in the three and four bedroom house living by themselves. Um, yeah, that house would be perfect for a young family if it was an incentive enough for the baby boomer to sell and move and all that sort of stuff. So mm. we need a sort of holistic solution. But yeah, it's it's only getting worse. I was in um, Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast earlier this week, and some of the stats that I read while I was up there that in the next twenty years there's going to be two point two million more people um, living in southeast Queensland. You know, where they, where are they all going to live? You know, they're going to they're going to come from um, Sydney and Melbourne, um, overseas. Um, yeah, it's just heaps of more people coming in the country. Um, it takes too long to build stuff. Yeah, every government around the world is still trying to build things to sort of stimulate economies, which is putting pressure on um, building materials. Um, yeah, here there's a huge tradie shortage. So yeah, but anyway. Um, the, at least we've got there are people trying to look at solutions um, and the yeah, medium density. You know, you've got places along, say, Parramatta Road in Sydney, some of the major thoroughfares in, in Melbourne and Brisbane where um, you, know, you could you know, repurpose sites and put up you know, three to four storey medium density stylish places where you know, there might have been two families in two houses. Now there's going to be 40 families in yeah, twenty apartments. So yeah. Anyway, let's just say one thing, out. real quick, but real quick too, to keep in mind with the downsizing thing. Obviously, there needs to be, like, I guess an example of maybe someone we know that should, like, we have people that we know that live nearby, like in in the Newcastle area, who live in a four bedroom house by themselves, uh, who might be like yeah. a retired guy or whatever, a widower. If he want, he might notice that he wants to move out of this place because it's so big and it's the the garden maintenance and shit is pretty out of the, out there. But he probably wants to downsize to somewhere close to where he already lives. So if there isn't options exactly, for yeah. that, if there aren't options for like townhouses or uh you know medium sized apartments that someone who's older feels comfortable moving into that's close to where they already live if there's no options like that people are just going to stay put oh, so exactly, it's not yeah. just about finance like financial incentives are probably one way to encourage more old older people to 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 move out of their houses that are too big for them but if there's not an yeah. option nearby for you to move into something a little smaller without sacrificing the lifestyle you have now they're just going to stay put, yeah, yeah. you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And that's yeah. the thing. Like a lot of people, 
whether it's you know whether it's the loan you're in, the mobile phone company you're with, the insurance company you're with, people just get comfortable. You have the relationship you're in, the job you're in, people just you know, get used to what they're in. And you know, most, as we talked about before, most people think change is a great idea as long as it doesn't apply to them, as long as everyone else changes. Yeah, yeah. It's but at the yeah, the good thing is over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of discussion about what to do about the housing crisis and you know you've actually got the nhfic which is the government's housing body so it's not it's not the real estate agents who've got a vested interest it's not pippa who's got a vested interest um it's not reba you know the buyers agents association who's got a vested interest it's it's the um the the, the government body they're saying we've got a a big shortfall so um, yeah, what that what we sort of say is okay. Well, what does what does that mean to people who are looking to buy property? Should they be concerned about prices going down over time? No, because su- supply and demand will keep prices edging up like they have for the last hundred years. So um, yeah. But anyway, okay. Another thing we're going to chat about. So um, Simon Presley, who's obviously been on the show a bunch of times, runs a company called Propertyology. He helps people buy uh, investment properties for the best potential, I guess, or the best with the aim in mind being, you know, let's buy you a property that has great potential for uh, being a really good long-term investment for your, you know, long-term wealth creation and stuff like that. Um, yeah. He has an article on why he thinks real estate is the best asset. Keep in mind, obviously, this is his business, so uh, he's going to be biased in why he thinks this is the best as opposed to shares. Like you can go on Google and find a bunch of people that are stockbrokers who probably have a similar <laughs> idea as to why yeah. stocks are a better investment than housing. So keep it take take yes. it with a grain of salt. But he does a good job here. So he sort of he he sort of explains and maps out why using the last 80 or so years uh, or even just the last 20 or so years of evidence in terms of how the property market has performed, he he feels like uh, if history repeats itself or is close to repeating itself, the standard house value will triple over the next 20 years just as they did from 2003 to 2023. So he sort of lists it out and we'll go yeah. through it. Despite a global financial crisis, natural disasters, a global oil crisis, commodity downturns, stock market crashes, and a pandemic, median house median house values in cities have grown as such. So, from two thousand and three to twenty twenty three, these have been the growth the growth changes. Yeah. The median house in Sydney's grown from 430,000 to 1.2 million. That's a 2.8 times increase. Perth has gone from 200k to 590k. Adelaide 200 to 700,000. Geelong 185,000 to 750,000. The Fraser Coast 130 to 540,000. Launceston, which is a pretty crazy uh, stat from 2003 to 2023, yeah. the median house value in Launceston has gone from $90,000 to $570,000, which is a 6.3 times increase. Um, and he's just saying that based on this, real estate can produce great results for your investing. And he just believes the return on investment for housing 
can't be uh, compared to any other investment class out there. Uh, and that's sort of what he's getting that from, you know, from just how crazy the 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 values have gone in the last 20 years as a as sort of example. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I again, like we're on his team, I guess, in terms of thinking property is a great way to grow your wealth. But uh, what did you think yeah. of it? Yeah, look, it's um whether look, whether it keeps going up at those levels, um, you know, only time will tell. Um, yeah, the I yeah I I failed economics at school, but one thing I do do understand from yeah the forty odd years since I've left school is that um, most things the price of most things is determined by supply and demand, and at the moment the demand for housing due to the reshaping of the Australian population, household formation and size, plus the um, plus the um, like number of people moving into the country from overseas, um, yeah, demand's covered. Like demand mm. is covered in spades. So is supply going to keep up? Probably not. Yeah. What influences supply? Availability of credit. You know, people's risk appetite, consumer sentiment. At the moment, interest rates are high, consumer sentiment's low. So when rates drop, and they will, and consumer sentiment improves, what's going to happen to demand? Demand's going to go up. So um, whether Simon, yeah, as you said, Simon's got a vested interest because, um, yeah, that's his, um, that's his business. But whether real estate goes up, by 50% in the next 20 years or 200%, it's going to go up in value. So there's things you can do to um, take advantage of that if you want. Um, talking, to a, talking to a client this morning who's um, you know, just just sold their house um, and um, you know, he said he's just going to rent and buy rental properties for a while. He said, I'm going to, it's going to be a rent investor because he said the where I want to live it's cheaper to rent. So that's what I'm going to do. So look, there's there's plenty of options and opportunities if you want to grasp them. Um, and yeah, if you want a hand, yeah, we're happy to chat, even if it's just to um, you know, give, give you some advice on um, you know, what options you've got. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last one I got. Um, Dan Andrews, who is, he's, he's the Labor government announced this last week. Uh, as a change that they want to start from January first, twenty twenty five, which is a long way away, the that what they want to do is they want to call it the short stay levy. Yeah. It'll be a seven point five percent levy charged to anyone that operates an Airbnb or a stay, so a short term accommodation, uh, in in yeah. uh, Greater Melbourne or the Victorian in Victoria, sorry. So they explained that the revenue raised from the fee will go to Homes Victoria to support the organisation to build and maintain social and affordable housing across the state. Approximately 25% of the levy's revenue will be invested into regional Victoria, meaning other local councils uh, and charges on short-term rentals will be removed because as of now, there were a few local councils that were starting to have their own individual levies against short-term accommodation to discourage or to get more of a cut from the profits that these short-term people are making uh, who, you know, they have a choice to run their uh, run their investment property however they see fit. 
but the yeah. government wants a cut of that. Uh, and of, so mm-hmm. part of it was the Vic government stat said that around 36,000 short-stay rentals exist in Victoria. 29,000 of those are full houses, uh, and nearly 50% of that 36,000 uh, houses are in regional Victoria. Dan Andrews, when yeah. questioned about it, said it's a seven dollars fifty for per a hundred dollars that they make. Uh, he thought it was a modest charge, and he he hopes that this, along with other initiatives, will help them build a bunch of new housing that the the people in Victoria desperately need. So I wondered your thoughts of it, and um, then we'll yeah. go to your stuff. Yeah, cool. There are two things I'd say. One is I thought he should have made it ten percent because just easier. Um, the other thing is I would have, if I was Dan, I would have went to National Cabinet and said, guys, we're going to do this. We think everyone should do it. So it's a national thing um, that there's going to be a 10, 10% levy on short-stay accommodation um, and we all commit that that money is going to be put into um, social, and housing, social and affordable housing. So, yeah, it's look, in the end... Um, 10, we've got some, some clients up the coast who they live um, near Coffs and they've got a house that they Airbnb. Um, I was chatting to them about it um, during the week when I was up there and um, they said, look, it'll make no difference to us because he said, you know, we we charge 180 bucks a night. Um, so if it becomes... 198 bucks a night. It's not going to change. It's not going to change demand for our for our thing. And yeah, they appreciate that it's um there is a issue with social affordable housing. Yeah, the the good thing, the funny, well, not the funny thing, but the classic thing that all the governments have done is they keep coming up with all these reasons why things have happened. When most of the reason we have a shortage of social and affordable housing is because the government's dropped the ball. You know, the government has not invested. They've not. They've not yeah. um, built the houses. They've let. Um, yeah, it's just it's shambolic. So I haven't anyway, real um, quick. I haven't. I have to be fair. Like maybe I'm wrong because I've not listened to every single. I haven't listened to every single um, interview the guy's done, but obviously Dan Andrews has resigned. So whether this actually yes. goes through or not, we have no idea. But oh, it'll, yeah, it'll 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 go through. When speaking on it, though, he um. I don't think he's saying the goal of it is to like if seven dollars fifty per hundred bucks, like as a levy that's so it's a tax. It's basically a tax. They call it a levy because it yeah. sounds better than a tax. But um I've got a house, you know, and I know people with investment properties who are just like the people that own short stay accommodation. I don't think this is gonna discourage them from doing so. I think no. it's just the government saying, we get it. You guys are going to make better money doing this. We get a cut. That doesn't seem yeah. unfair to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 I don't, no, I don't no, see yeah. that no, as absolutely. being unfair. Yeah. I think, and like all the, all the, like we're friends with some of these people. So all due respect to them, but like yeah. some of the people from the property lobbies, just, man, you guys are just the boy who cried wolf with every single policy change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's just, it, it's a bit stupid at this point because. You know, yeah, but yeah, you, the, if, the yeah. thing is, you got to look at part of the one of the things when things I find when things happen is you've got to look at why they've happened and go, okay, why has that happened, and what do we need to do if we want to change it? What, what do we need to do so it doesn't happen again? Now, with um, Airbnb, like we've got clients with, I've got a, we've got a client with Airbnb just north of Newcastle. And she can make 
in Airbnb income um, as much as she can by having a long-term tenant in four months. So she said, Dave, I can I can put I can have this house available for four months of the year as Airbnb and make as much as I would um, having a long-term tenant without any of the downside risk. Because the downside risk of having a tenant is they don't look after the place, they don't pay the rent on time. Um, yeah, the there's more rights for a tenant now than there have been in the past. Whereas with yeah, with Airbnb, if you know, Airbnb gets someone's credit card, so if they damage the property, Airbnb just gets it fixed and debits their credit card. Um, and if the person changes credit cards so they can't, they just block them on Airbnb and through and would advise bookings.com and stays and everybody and put a default on their credit file and everything. So, yeah, there's just less downside. There's better income and less downside risk. So, yeah, yeah if you're if you're an, if you're employed on a hundred grand a year and working, yeah, full time, and your boss comes in and says, "Hey, Damo, um, do you want to work for four months of the year? Have eight months off, and we'll still pay hundred k." You go, "Oh, happy days. When do you want me to start?" So that the one of the like I worked in government for a long time, and part of the problem with government is they just want to try and solve problems, but they don't spend any time understand to try and understand why the problem started in the first place. So right. and they don't they they're not very good at identifying um unintended consequences. So yeah, if I say if I say let's do this, what will what and it's like we talk about game theory, what will the other participants in that who are going to be impacted, what are they going to do? So when you it's it's great to say, look, look, you know, let's give lots of rights to tenants and tenants deserve rights because they're renting an asset. But they don't then go, okay, is that going to mean investors are going to move into the short-term market? Because that's what a lot of them have done, because they're just sick mm. of it. So um Anyway, enough of that. But um, look, as as we talk about, you've got to look at you know what's happening in the environment, and go okay. There's a short stay levy in Victoria. Yeah, if I'm buying or renting or you know invest in Victoria, will that impact you know my asset, um, short or long term? And then yeah, put that into your decision making process. So, but I just would have thought, um, you know, I don't I don't think it'll have much of an impact, but um, I think, um, yeah, it would have been probably a smart idea to maybe go to National Cabinet and try and, you know, just say, look, we're going to, we just think a good thing to do would be to um, to help fund social and affordable housing across the, the whole range of government um, across the country, um, have this short stay levy, 10% put on every property in Australia. Um, you know, there, there's no um, comparative advantage to a state who doesn't have it. Um, so yeah, there you go. Like every every state gets a share of GST. Um, yeah, you know, they always argue about the percentage. Um, yeah, you know, the percentage that they get, but the the standard rate's ten percent. So I would have made it ten percent plus. Yeah, you know, talk to the national cabinet about it. It's an interesting one me. for sure. Like, yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming hotels get regulated and taxed a certain way by government for running hotels, yeah. right? And if you're an Airbnb <laughs> yeah. runner, if you run an Airbnb, that sort of yeah. seems like it's an alternative to a hotel and yes. they're getting upset that they're now being regulated as if they're a hotel. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just means, well, it I just think, seems odd to me. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Look, I think I think sometimes the association for a group, they're they're almost obliged to arc up about something, even if they don't think it's worth doing. Because you know, they they've got they've got their members who pay their dues and they've got to show members, you know, like we're in the Finance Brogues Association and Peter White, um, who's been on the podcast with you, Damo, like he does he does a cracking job. Um, he's always in there arguing the case for things that impact mortgage broking. But if there's things that um, he thinks are good policy for the country, even if they impact brokers in an adverse way, he'll come to us and say, look, we just got to do this. We just got to wear it. Yeah. So I think you know, if the, the mob who um, represent Airbnb providers or if Airbnb or stays or whoever the other mobs are that provide these services, if they don't arc up, um, people go to wonder, well, what are they doing? So sometimes they'll arc up even if it's not worth, you know, not even if it's an argument not worth having, you know, they've just got to do it. So um, anyway, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. Like as with anything, it's part of the um, rich tapestry of the um property ownership and investing environment and you've just got to take those things into account as something that may impact what you want to do um yeah if you're if you're doing you know yeah if if you were buying a property in victoria that you were going to airbnb and you've worked out that you can get 190 a night but you can't get 190 plus 7.5 percent a night yeah it's probably going to impact demand for your airbnb like the mm. couple who we know near costs um he said you know they've worked out what their um price point is and he said if i put that up ten dollars our bookings drop so i just keep it at the right level and we're booked out all the time so anyway um and you know some people you know some people with short stays they don't want to stay in a caravan park and they don't want to stay in a hotel yeah, so you had a couple more left. I feel like one was about the RBA and whether rates will rise. Like yeah. I'm, a, I'm interested in your your opinion on this. So, uh, during the week, yeah. real quick, Dave. During the week, the yeah. Russia announced that they are cutting their supply off to the world uh, in terms of gas and oil, uh, gas and oil. So yeah. the only people they're going to be selling gas and oil to going forward. Uh, are four ex-Soviet Union nations around Russia? The rest of the yeah. the rest of the world that they sell it to can get fucked. And obviously, we don't yeah. buy. From what I know, Australia doesn't buy directly from Russia in terms of oil or gas. But yeah. if Russia pull their supply out of the world supply of gas and oil, the remaining limits, I guess, the remaining supply of gas and oil is going to go up in value, which undoubtedly to me seems like petrol prices are going to keep going upwards um, at a yeah. time where there's already a cost of living crisis. So I guess some of the mm -hmm. thoughts in this article are about whether the RBA are going to raise rates or not, right? So I wondered what your thoughts yeah. are for the next rate hike in November. Yeah, I was waiting for your Mr. Opportunity to use the word geopolitical. <laughs> yeah so look yeah interesting thing like this stuff's been happening for ever since i can remember like i remember in the 70s there was they called it the opec oil shock and you know over the, the 40 or 50 years i've been around and sort of hearing this stuff at various times yeah 
countries that have a comparative advantage in supplying a commodity or whatever to other parts of the world, you know, sometimes have used that to use that to their advantage. And look, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the background is for Russia only going to sell to certain areas. Um, but anyway, so yeah, if if yeah, if the oil price goes up, that eventually makes its way through the through to the petrol bowser. And if petrol goes up, you know, that impacts inflation. Um, and you know, when inflation's high, the RBA says, okay, inflation's above the two to three percent band. Yeah, you know, do we do we need to raise interest rates? So look, some of the some economists have been saying they think there's one more rate rise left in the tank. If there is, you can almost you can almost bet your house it'll be on Melbourne Cup Day because that's just what happens. Um, I think the RBA would probably um, wait to see a bit more info coming out. Um, it's unlikely they'll make it. I imagine it'd be unlikely they'll raise rates at Michelle Bullock's first meeting as the, as the new governor. Um, and, you know, as the, um, the article um, said, you know, there's still a lot of people who haven't felt the full effect of the rate rises or coming off their, you know, their, their lower fixed rate terms. So I think, yeah, if we get through November's meeting without um, a rate rise, happy days, but there, you know, there could be another one on the way. But in the end, it's just, you, you've got to do your numbers. You know, people, people who invest, you know, when I talk to people about investing, they go, well, we want something that's positive cash flow. Um, as the Rolling Stones said, you know, you can't always get what you want. And if you've got an interest-only loan at, you know, low 6%, but your property's yielding 5%, well, it's going to cost you money to hold that property. But in the end, if you buy in a growth location and keep that property for 10 or 15 years, it's probably going to double in value. So if you buy something for four fifty to five hundred now, and you know you keep it for fifteen to twenty years, and it's worth seven or eight hundred, even if you sell it at that time and pay your capital gains tax, think so. I think sometimes you can overcomplicate things. Um, we'll ju- we'll just have to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if rates rise in November. Um, but mm. then again, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the RBA says, look, we're not raising rates because a lot of that has been due to, you know, if petrol price in the inflation basket is driving it a lot or home building costs because a lot more government, you know, there's a lot more government action on supply on demand, you know, supply of housing, which is increasing tradey prices and increasing, um, you know, demand for materials, which is putting the price up. You know, they, they've probably got enough ammo to say, look, we're going to leave rates on hold because a lot of this inflation is due to short-term inflationary pressures that will work their way through the system. So anyway, we'll see how we go with that one. Yeah. Was so there anything the else you wanted is, to cover, Dave? Damo, Damo, the short answer on that one is I don't know, um, which you probably should have said at the start. Um Interesting. We just um, Terry Ryder, who runs Hot Spotting, he sort of looks at sales trends and that sort of in days on market and those sorts of things. So if you've got an area and the days on market is like forty five days, um, and then you know a month or two later it's thirty five days, and a month or two later it's twenty eight days, you can see that the you know, the demand for property is starting to get in front of the supply, which means there could be price pressures 
which might push prices up. And um, Terry's guys did a sort of thing where they come up with the holy grail of rising rents and property prices going up, which is, you know, sort of like the, you know, what a lot of investors look for. They want their, their rent, the rent to be good and rising and the capital growth to be good and rising. And they just looked at some of the areas where, um, where some of those things might happen. Now, we talk about if you're in a property investor, it, it, it pays to be agnostic to where you want to buy because it's a bit like shares. Like if you look at the share market, um, without any um, preconceived ideas, the data will often tell you what are the good places to, what are the good sectors to buy in, um, whether that's like commodities, um, insurance stocks, retail stocks, um, IT stocks, and that sort of thing. So if you can think of the areas around the country as different sort of categories of stocks, you're probably going to end up in front because it's not, oh, wow, that that house three doors down from me is going on the market. I'm going to buy that because I like living here. So, But they just he come up with areas like East, East Mackay, Kerwin in Townsville, um, North, Bundaberg North, um, Rockhampton, Port Augusta and Geraldton. Now, some of those are mining areas and you know, there's still people who've been burnt since the last property boom in mining areas. But it just sort of you need to open your eyes if you're going to invest for long-term capital growth you need to open your eyes to the fact that where you live is unlikely to be the best place to buy um, in the long term so that was that was interesting uh the other one i was going to mention demo which um is um shane oliver from amp who's their chief economist basically saying that because we've got a chronic housing supply shortfall um and surging immigration, they're the root cause of the housing affordability crisis. And, you know, what we need to do is reduce migration um, while we're getting that sorted out. So um, and he, so Simon, uh, sorry, Shane Oliver is suggesting we need to reduce immigration to 50% of the current levels until the housing supply shortage is sort, shorted, sorry, sorted, which which makes a lot of sense. You know, if, if we've got a, a demand issue, reduce your demand. Yeah, if if um if um if the gas is too high, turn it down. Um, so yeah, we'll just we'll just see how that plays out. The the thing with lots of immigration demo is it's masked the fact, as we talked about a couple over the last couple of weeks, it's masked the fact that Australia is in recession. Um, people go, oh, we're in a technical recession. Bullshit, we're in a recession because um, growth per capita is dropping. But growth as a whole nation is increasing because we've got a million extra people. So, um, yeah, until we sort that out. Um, and um, oh, the only other one was some something we saw in one of the articles around, you know, some things that we could do to, um, yeah, ease the housing crisis. One is around um, more density, which you mentioned before in the first thing when talking about apartments. Um, helping retirees downsize that's that's a yeah it's a it's a big thing like one of our mates who's a real estate agent um helps people over 60 in their endeavors to um um declutter their lives and you know move to a a, a more affordable retirement by downsizing and it's there's there's so much to it you know you've got to help the people declutter you've got to extol their house you've got to get it on the market you've got to sell it for a price that's going to free up enough money um, in order for them to you know to to downsize 
you know, because people normally want to stay within a radius of where they live. Um, it's just, yeah, it's yeah, it's a big ask. And the other one is around um, incentivising investors. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's um, that's just some of the things that um, um, are coming through. And um, yeah, easy. Happy okay. with that. If people. Uh, like what we're doing on the podcast, please share it around to anyone you think might find it useful. Jesus, useful, useful. Um, please yep. share it around yep. to those people. There's a ton of good interviews on the podcast. If you want to learn more about those, just have a scroll through uh, and you'll find them. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Money Saver Home Loans. You'll find us there. And if you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do so, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au to get in touch if if you're looking into trying to buy a house to live in or to in, uh, use as an investment property. We're pretty good at helping you get finance for all that stuff, uh, going to a bank and getting finance to to you know, invest in property. That's sort of what we do. So uh, if you're interested in that, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au is the best way to do it. And uh, have a good week and we'll talk to you next time.